0: You are listening to an audio sermon from Harvest Bible Chapel, York Region. For more information, visit hbcyr.ca. Amen. Amen. Hey, why don't you just remain standing and uh, get your Bibles out today and turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. We're going to remain standing so we can read God's Word in just a moment. We want to honor the Lord as we read His Word. Um, today we're going to be taking a look at a message on the topic of generosity. And... Uh, all the blessings that have been poured out to us. And, and what does the Lord expect from us? And uh, so you got your Bibles all opened up. We want to read God's word, 2 Corinthians 9. And I'm going to dive right in at verse 6. The point is this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart. Not reluctantly or under compulsion. For God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you so, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. For the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but it's also overflowing in many thanksgivings to God. By their approval of this service, they will glorify God because of your submission that comes or flowing from your confession of the gospel of Christ and the generosity of your contribution for them and for all all others. While they long for you and pray for you because of the surpassing grace of God upon you, Thanks be to God for his inexpressible gift. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word, the reality that we hold it in our hands, and the the thing that Paul was teaching to this church in Corinth and the blessing they had been. Uh, This is a church so often we look at and use as the example of what not to do and the struggles they faced. and, And yet in this, Lord, they were doing well, and you encouraged them. And so, Lord, as we look at your word today, would you give us ears to carefully hear it, minds, God, to be able to comprehend and understand. But then, Lord, would you change our hearts and give us passionate, compassionate hearts to live out the things we learn, that we would be changed as a result of being here because you have visited with us. Guide us in all of this, we pray, for your glory in Jesus' name, amen. Amen, all right, thank you. You can take your seats. You know, one of the things I am so thankful for in our church is that uh, uh, God has allowed me to be the pastor of a generous church. Um, the elders have a heart for generosity. Uh, the people have a heart for generosity. Uh, one of the things I've learned in Harvest World, as it were, was this sentence, "A generous spirit leads to multiplied opportunities, and it's true. A generous spirit leads to all kinds of of different opportunities that that we would have and and things that we can do. And I was just thinking about some of the things from our church. You've already heard the report about the Haiti offering and over eighteen thousand dollars that came in. We sent that out last Thursday, and over the weekend, um, over eighteen thousand dollars came in to help folks around the world in Haiti specifically who have faced a crisis. And how can we uh, get those funds there? So so that we can help those folks. That's a generous, a generous church. I'm thankful for that. I think about the Samaritans purse shoe boxes for Christmas and hundreds of those will be filled. After that we will do a food drive. Um, all of that before we take our Christmas offering this year. Why? Because God has given us a church filled with people who have a generous spirit. Uh, this year at Christmas and every year Thousands of dollars goes out from this church to help people who are in need in benevolence. Someone who uh, uh, doesn't have food to put on their table, or can't pay their bill, or and they come and the need is real and it's legitimate, and, and we give to them. The Lord's allowed us to be part of two church plants where the folks in this room and in our other service have been so pivotal in giving and supporting so that those things could happen. And the church in Durham and our campus church in, in Newmarket are, are, are there because of God, for sure, but because God's people have been generous. And then I think of the giving of the support here. And uh, faithfully, God's people giving every week and supporting the work that goes on here, that other things out of our budget, supporting a crisis pregnancy center, and all kinds of different things can, can happen, but, but the needs are met because God's people give. And those are all the formal things that we know about. It doesn't begin to touch on the hundreds of unknown things that happen every day. Uh, something that you do with your neighbor or someone in your small group. Or, and we will never know about them. We don't need to know about them. And, but they're a picture of a generous heart. And uh, generosity is a matter of the heart. And today, we want to take a look at it. We want to take a look at the topic of generosity and giving. Did you know that the New Testament talks more about money than it talks about heaven and hell combined? Uh, this is a topic And and the broader topic of generosity that needs to be talked about in the church. And uh, so we want to do that. Our text um, from 2 Corinthians 9 is really a follow-up from chapter 8. We'll see some verses in it in just a second. But even from 1 Corinthians, you see, there was the church in Jerusalem was under a lot of pressure and a lot of of, um, attack and uh, they needed support. And Paul was putting together a gift to send to them. And that's the context, because context is always important when we teach God's Word, that these verses come in. And uh, just to give you a bit of a background to that, in 1 Corinthians 6, 1-4, just listen. Now concerning the collection for the saints, as I directed the churches of Galatia, so you also are to do on the first day of every week, each of you is to put something aside and store it up as he may prosper so that there'll be no collecting when I come. And when I arrive, I will send those whom you accredit by letter to carry your gift to Jerusalem. If it seems advisable that I should go also, they will accompany me. And then as he's teaching in the chapter right before the chapter we're about to look in, he says this in 2 Corinthians 8, 3 to 7. For they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means, of their own accord, begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. And this is not as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord, First to the Lord, and then by the will of God to us. Accordingly, we urge Titus uh, that as he had started, so he should complete among you this act of grace. But as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in all earnestness, and in our love for you, see that you excel in this act of grace also. So that's the context. That's the context that we kind of set for what's happening now in 2 Corinthians chapter nine and the context for which we need to consider where we're at in the, in, the, in the whole area of generosity in our lives. And so here's the first thing we want to take a look at right out of the uh, uh, first verse, verse six there, uh, the bottom line of generosity. And what's the bottom line of generosity? It says in verse six, the point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Uh, when I served uh, as a director of the conference center up north before coming to Harvest, there was a lady who served on our staff. She was the dining room hostess. Her, her name was Dorothy Bud, And uh, Dorothy Budd, when she really wanted you to listen to what she was saying, uh, she would use this line. She would say, the thing of it is, the thing of it is, and, and I'd never heard anybody say it before when she first thought of it. She's just weird. Um... But then I realized we all are in our own ways. And the thing of it is, that was her way to kind of get your attention because she wanted to make a point. It's interesting that this uh, chapter in verse six starts out with the point is this. This is Paul's the thing of it is. You need to take note. You need to sit up and listen because there's some things I'm about to say that are critical, uh, that are important. And he gives us the law of Farming. That's what he starts with. The point is this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. There's no such thing as a successful lazy farmer. Uh, Farmers get up early in the morning. They work hard and they go out in the field. And after it's all tilled and turned over and the seed is placed out. It's all done mechanically now. But uh, back in the day, uh, they would take the seed and they would throw the seed out. They would throw it out and they would throw it out and... And and they weren't to be stingy on throwing out the seed. If you throw out the seed in a stingy way, you're going to reap in a stingy way. That's what it says. It says, and they that sow sow sparingly, you're going to reap sparingly. Whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. You pay a price to reap a reward. So in the context of generosity, context of your own generosity? Would you look at your own life and say, I'm, yeah, I'm a pretty careful sower. I hold things pretty tightly. Um, Because there's a bit of a warning in this as well. Along with the law of farming, there's a warning in here that... uh, you're going to reap based on what you sow. That's the law of farming. But then we go on to the law of generosity in verse 7. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. So the first thing we need to see is in verse 7 is the first two words, each one each one. This whole topic of generosity is a personal topic that you need to consider. You need to think about your own heart in this area of generosity. Again, when people think about you, what do they think about you? Every church, every Christian should be a giver, uh, whether it's a, a great size gift as the world would see it, or whether it's the widow's mite. Uh, we need to be people filled with generosity in each one, each one. So three things about that I want you to see. Each one has to make a decision. There's a decision to be made. It says he has decided in his heart. He has decided in his heart. Rents the title of the message, Generosity, a Matter of the Heart. Each one must make a decision of the heart, of the heart. So what's the opposite of being generous? Well, some of those words would be greed, selfishness, stingy, miserly, uh, maybe cheap. Anybody use those words to describe you? You know, Scottish people used to get teased about this all of the time. It's not a Scottish trait necessarily, but people, I would hear them say, I've got a little bit of Scotch blood in me, and and people would say, that's just just our Scotch blood. That's just the way it is, right? Um, Those words should never be words that describe a believer. Um, And and if they're the words that describe you, then you want to get off that path and get onto a a path of generosity, which would be words like open-handed, Unselfish, ungrudgingly um, lavish. each one must decide in his heart. The heart's critical in God's word, in Romans 10:10, 10, 10, talking about the heart. It says, "For with the heart, one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved." In Jeremiah 17:9 and 10. Listen, it says, "The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? I, the Lord, search the heart and test the mind to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his deeds. In Luke 6 and verse 45, it says, the good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good and the evil person out of his evil treasure produces evil for out of the abundance of the heart his mouth speaks. First Samuel sixteen seven. For the Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. In Proverbs four twenty three. Keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flows the springs of life. And then in this text, this text talks about each one must give as he is decided in his heart, as he is decided in his heart. You know, the purpose of your heart is its about giving, that we want to give. We want to give because of what God has done for us, us. And, and so um, we want to give because the Lord has set some priorities, and, and that's the passion that we want to see fulfilled in our lives. And so, as we think about this bottom line of generosity, each one, there's a decision to be made, and then there's an attitude that needs to be embraced, when you think about generosity, when you think about what you do with the things that you have, there's an attitude that needs to be embraced. Uh, the word says right in the text, it says, not reluctantly or under compulsion. We shouldn't be generous because we feel like we have to. We're gonna come at the end of this message and it's all gonna land to make sense to us as to why this all comes true. But our, our attitude is not to be reluctant, or to be under compulsion. I read this quote about how people would give back in the day. In 1 Corinthians, it goes like this. The Jews had in the temple two chests for giving, for alms. The one was for what was necessary. That's what they were required to do. The other was for free will offerings. To escape perdition, some would grudgingly give what necessity obliged, obliged of them. Others would give cheerfully for the love of God and through the pity of the poor. Of the first, nothing is said. They simply did what the law required. Of the second, much is said. God loves them. God loves a cheer forgiver. And so the attitude that's to be embraced is to one that fears and stays away from reluctance and and stays away from compulsion. And then there's the motivation that we need to remember. The motivation is for God loves a cheerful giver. A decision has to be made. We have to decide what we're going to do with all that's been poured out to us and we've been blessed with. We have to take an an attitude that is an attitude that's not reluctant. It's not oh my goodness, the pastor sent out a thing for 80 and now they want another $5 or $5,000. Not reluctant. Not holding back. But a spirit of generosity. Why? Why? Well, the motivation is because God loves a cheerful giver. Uh, this word is used only here in the New Testament. Um, translated, hilarious. Uh, God loves a hilarious giver. It's it's not like laughing because you went to a comedy show, but it's the spirit that's in us. It's I love to give. This is amazing what we get to do. This is God loves a person who gives cheerfully. God loves the cheerful giver. 1 John three seventeen says, but if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? God loves cheerful givers. So all the stuff you have, all the blessings that would be poured out to you, the way you manage them, the things that you do with them. God loves a cheerful giver. When God looks down at you, he loves a cheerful giver. And would that be the picture that's being set for God in heaven looking down at what you're doing with the blessings poured out to you? Um, That's a great challenge. That's the bottom line of a generous heart. The second thing is the source of a generous heart. The source of a generous heart, we see it in verse eight. It says, and God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. God is able. God is able. We're going to talk about who owns our stuff and where our stuff comes from in a moment, but, but God makes his grace abound because our generosity is living out of the sufficiency of all that God has poured out for us. I love this verse. In Matthew 10, 42, it says, Whoever gives one of these little ones even a cup of cold water because he is a disciple truly i say to you he will by no me- no means lose his reward even a cup of cold water to one of these little ones a god is going to remember and he's not going to lose his reward the source of a generous heart comes from from god almighty He's the one who will change your heart about this. He's the one who will give you a spirit of generosity and looking around to see what the need is and what it comes from God. God is able, and it's his sufficiency. You're like, I don't have very much. God's sufficiency. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. Everything is his. It's his sufficiency. And so he's the source of our generosity. And I believe when we are faithful in this, God can bless us. And uh two ways he might bless you God might bless you materially when you give generously. Um, it might come in a promotion or better pay or an expected gift or by making things last longer than they normally would or and God can give materially to you. Now let me hasten to say there's no promise in God's word that says if you get give ten dollars, God's going to give you a big house, and uh, there's, there's a whole view of Christian teaching that says, God wants you to have everything. No, for sure, I know God wants you to have trials, and God wants you to have struggles, but God will bless, and God will bless, and God might bless you materially as you give Generously. Um, but God will bless you spiritually as you give generously. Um, you will grow. You will be released from the, from the sense of I own everything I own. And that covetousness and pride that comes is released when we give with, with generosity. God is able to make all grace abound toward us all. But what can we give? See, because I don't want to make this message just about money. Um... Because if I do, the person who, like, pulls their wallet out or looks at their bank statement, they, oh, he wasn't talking to me. He wasn't talking to me. I looked. There's no money there. So I'm off the hook. Go preach it, Pastor. Preach it. Get those rich people. <laughs> so three T's. Three T's. Here's the first one. God wants you to be generous with your time. God wants you to be generous with your time. I checked. I did the math. I looked at the calendar. I looked at my clock. We all have exactly the same amount of time. All of us do. And God wants us to be generous with it, to use our time wisely, to get priorities in a good place. And so for the person who's here today who who may not have, maybe couldn't even write a check towards a, a Haiti project, but can serve the Lord in giving of time, God wants you to be generous with your time. And you have to look at priorities, and you have to look at what's right and what puts God first, but our time, we all have the same amount. God wants us to be generous with our talent. We all have talent. We have it in differing ways. We all have talent. You may have noticed they never asked me to lead the worship, and I never asked Chris to preach. And you're probably blessed because of that. I know on one half of that equation, you're very blessed because of it. Um, because we have different talents and we have different gifts and God has given everyone in the room gifts and talents. You go, I don't have any talents. I don't, yes, you do. Absolutely you do. You have spiritual gifts for sure, but you have talents and you need to use them. We, we had a um, step one last night and some people who are new to our church and, and one of the guys says like, I'm an IT guy. Um, it, it, can the church use this ability? Of course we can. Whatever the gift is, whatever the talent is, and um, we all have it. And the talents we have, we need to give them generously to the Lord. We all have time. We all have talents. And to an extent, we all have treasures. None of us is destitute in this room. Everybody in this room, I think, had breakfast this morning, or we'll have lunch today. And if you, if you don't, then you come and see me afterwards because we need to be generous towards you. Everyone in this room had a roof over their head last night, I think, and if you didn't, you need to come and talk to us because we need to be generous towards you. But all of us have time, all of us have, a, have a talent, and all of us have treasures. We don't all have the same amount of treasure, but we all have it. And are we giving generously, to the work of God, are we giving generously to the Lord? The source of a generous heart comes from God because it says, God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency, so who is, who's the one who's sufficient? Who's the one who is the supplier? God is, and he's poured out to us in different ways and, and we need to use what God has given for his glory, the source of a generous heart. Here's the next thing is the fruit of a generous heart the fruit of a generous heart. And I believe Paul gives uh, two illustrations here. The, the first one we find in verse 9 says, as it is written, so we'll see where it's written in just a second, he has distributed freely, he has given to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. When you read that, and when I was studying that this week, I kind of stumbled on this verse for a little bit, thinking, well, who is this talking about? It, it, it sounds on the surface like it's talking about God. And for sure the application can be there, but he has distributed freely. He has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. This afternoon when you get home and you don't have anything to do, read Psalm 112. And uh, because this verse comes right out of Psalm 112, verse 9, it says, He has distributed freely, he has given to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. And Psalm 112 is clear that Psalm 112 was talking about an individual, was talking about a generous person, a person with a passionate heart for God. Is it a picture of the Lord Jesus Christ? for sure. But that's not when it was written. It was talking about a person who was a generous person, who was a giving person. And, and I love what it says at the end of that verse. His righteousness endures forever. His righteousness, the things that God is building to him, the thing that God is working in him, it doesn't, it doesn't end. It doesn't end when the gift is given. It goes on and on and on. And, and so we see the fruit of a generous heart is righteousness, is righteousness. It's speaking of the man who fears God, who focuses on God, and who obeys God. And so if verse 9 is about the righteous man, then verse 10 is about our righteous God. In verse 10 it says, he who supplies the seed. He who supplies the seed. You know, when we get that wrong, again, we get it all wrong. We think, well, I worked, I got my paycheck, and I... You have all of those things because of God's good hand on you. This is going back to the first part. He who sows sparingly will reap sparingly. And he who, sows, um, he who sows bountifully will reap bountifully. And so here in this verse he says, he who supplies the seed to the sower. The things that you have, what God has entrusted to you. He who supplies the seed to the sower and the bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. God the supplier supplies the need. God the multiplier multiplies your seed and God who gives the blessing increase the harvest of your righteousness. And so when we do what God calls us to do, he pours his blessing out on us. Will we always see it on this side of heaven? Not necessarily. Often we will. But God is pouring out on us because he is our righteous God. He who supplies the seed. You ever think about this? You don't own anything. You don't own anything. Oh, yes, I do. I own my car. I partially own my house. I own my... No. Everything you have belongs to God. Everything. Well, everything. You're a manager of it. You're a steward of it. You are to use it for the glory of God. And so i got three more T's for you to kind of tie into there. But it says, he who supplies the seed. The farmer doesn't make the seed. The seed comes because God has allowed that to happen. And and, uh, yeah, there's a lot of work done for that seed to get into the pail for him to throw onto the field. But God is the one who supplies the seed. So when you think about your stuff, when you think about everything that is yours, think about it with these three T's in mind. Everything you have is a tool. Everything. And it's a tool to be used. Everything you have is a tool to be used. You say, I don't have very much. Use what you have. Everything you have is a tool. I remember being at a a stewardship conference many years ago. And uh, the guy who was uh, teaching was talking about this family down in the States. And they have millions of dollars worth of art. And, uh, you know, and, and somebody challenged them on the why are you holding on to all this stuff? Why do you keep all of this stuff? How, how is that being used for the glory of God? And everything you have is a tool. How is that true? And and so the person took them and graciously walked them through how they invite folks over and people come and they see it and they tell the stories of the art and they talk about the way that the Lord has worked and blessed in their lives. And, and this thing that for us would be abundance, abundance for sure. And they talked about how God, use, how God uses that and how they take what they have and use it for the glory of God. Um, we have friends who have blessed us with things that they have and they, because everything they have was a tool and when we moved to Muskoka we were going to put our kids in Christian school and we had no way to pay for that we didn't know how we were going to do it and a family came and told us we're paying the whole thing for you unbelievable I, I could never do that for somebody I, I couldn't write that check but they did because everything that you have is a tool and so think about the things you have. How do you use your car, your vehicle? How do you use it as a tool? How do you use your home as a tool? How do you use the gifts you have? Everything you have is a, is a tool. That's the first thing. The second thing, everything you have is, a, have is a test. Everything you have is a test. It's a test of faithfulness. Everything we have, everything you have is entrusted to it. We're managers of it. It's a test. How much is enough? See, we we tend to hold on to things and try and keep them. And when your paycheck comes, when your paycheck comes, everything you have is a test. And is is what comes to in generosity, is what comes to the church, is, is it the first fruits or is it what's left over? It's all the Lord's anyways. And when you give... Some people will say this, they'll say, well, well, pastor, do you give on your gross or do you give on your net? Really? You're really going to ask that question? It all belongs to God. All of it. You want God to bless on your gross or do you want him to bless on your net? So, so how much should we give? How big should the check be? And well, what about this whole thing about tithing, Pastor? What about tithing? What do you believe about tithing? Um, I believe tithing, which is a tenth, I believe is a great place to start. That's what I believe. I believe there's illustrations in the Old Testament. Sometimes it's difficult to bring those forward because there were different offerings and different tithes and different things that they gave. And here's what I know. In the book of Malachi, we're, t- we're told about a tithe. And-, and God says, you test me on this. It's, it's about the only time I think in Scripture God ever tells us to test Him is in our faithfulness in giving. Um, and you're like, well, I, I, I could never get to 10%. Well, yeah, you, you probably could. You might have to adjust some things, and you might have to make some changes, and, and you, um, it might take a little bit of time. Um, Sue and I purposed in our hearts and again, I don't want this message to be about me because there are people in our church who are probably far more generous than we are, but we did we purposed in our hearts a long time ago that 10% would be the starting point. But then we wanted to grow that. We didn't want it to be that because it's not about 10%. It's about our heart. And the Lord's allowed us to give beyond that uh, every year. Um, and, and then... Separate from that, special offerings, separate from that, people who we support, separate from that. And I have a lot to learn about this. But God loves a hilarious giver. Everything you have is a tool. Everything you have is a test. Here's the third, thing, the third T. Everything is telling to whom you belong everything you have is telling to whom you belong. Matthew 6:19 to 21 and I'm not focusing on this verse today cuz when we get into the sermon on the mount starting next week we're coming back to this passage but Matthew 6:19 to 21 says do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Generosity. A matter of the heart. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart. Look at your bank statement this afternoon. Look at your visa statement this afternoon. Look at however your money you track it. Look at it and ask yourself, ask yourself, am I generous to God? Ask yourself, based on what all of those lines are, who does my stuff belong to? Does it belong to me? Or does it belong to the Lord? It's all a tool, it's all a test, and it's all telling. Well, let's move on to the blessing of a generous heart. Look at verses 11 to 14. You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way which through us will produce the thanksgiving to God. For the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints but is also overflowing in many thanksgivings to God. By their approval of this service they will glorify God because of your submission that comes from your confession of the gospel of Christ and the generosity of your contribution for them and for all others." while they long for you and pray for you because of the surpassing grace of God upon you. I want to give you some four four blessings from a generous heart. Right out of the text, there will be more, but right in this text, there are four. Here they are. There's the benefit to the recipient. When, When you give... The person who you give to is blessed by it. It says right in the text, supplying the needs. There's a need that's there, whether it's the needs for the church to operate, whether it's the needs of someone, a roof on their house or, or a meal on their table or to go alongside them and help them with a project. But when you give, when you give generously, the supply the need. There's a benefit to the recipient. It's a good one. Here's another one, an even better one. When you give, God is glorified. Because it says, they will glorify God. Generous people make a way for others to give glory to God. You have to imagine you're in Jerusalem and it's very difficult and it's hard, and all of a sudden, this guy shows up with this gift. And they're like, Woohoo, Lord! You're in Haiti. And you don't know how your next meal is going to come or how you're going to get a roof put on your house or or where you're going to have a glass of water. And the gift from Harvest Bible Chapel, York Region shows up and like, woo-hoo, thank you, Lord. See, there's the blessing for the recipient. There's the glory of God. Here's a neat one. When you're generous, those people will pray for you. You, you actually you actually get something back out of this. I don't do it for this reason. But it says right in the text, they long for you and pray for you. You know, I talk to Sam Cuckoo from uh, Place Romania every other week, and, and we talk. One of the things he always comes back, he goes, I'm, we're so thankful for what the church has done. People come here. You support us and all that. You need to know last week we were praying for you. Last week we were praying for you. And this week we'll be praying for you. And one of the blessings of a generous heart is that people pray for you. And here's the last one. Blessings of a generous heart. It produces thanksgiving. It produces thanksgiving. It says right in the text, through us will produce thanksgiving. So, so why wouldn't we want to have a generous heart? It all belongs to the Lord anyways. We're stewards of it. And here's the things that come when we are and continue to be generous people. Well, if that's not enough, we get the picture of ultimate generosity in verse 15. Ultimate generosity. Thanks be to God for his inexpressible gift. If, if, if what you've heard isn't enough for you, then verse 15 will be enough for you. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you won't be able to get past verse 15. Thanks be to God for his inexpressible gift for you. God is the ultimate cheerful giver. He delights to give to us. Synonyms for inexpressible would be indescribable, unspeakable, too wonderful for words. Awesome. Thanks be to God for his inexpressible gift. Romans 8, 32 says, he who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? God, your generosity, your generosity. We see it in creation, we see it in the word we have, we see it in it, but it is best seen in the inexpressible gift of God giving his son, Jesus Christ. You think about what it cost you think about the cost. You're like, well, I, I can't do that. It's going to cost me. Uh, we might not be able to have steak this week. We might have to have a hamburger if we do that. Really? When you think about God's inexpressible gift for you and what it cost, he gave his son. And the cost of Jesus to Jesus Christ, not, not your will, God. Not my will, but your will, God. Not what, I would, what you want, God the inexpressible gift of what it cost, Christ hanging on a cross, all of the shame upon Him that belonged to you. What it cost and what it did saved you. By faith alone, in Christ alone, it saved you. And God gave you this gift How dare we be people who are miserly and cheap and ungenerous when we think about God's inexpressible gift for us. If you're here today and you've never trusted Jesus Christ, that gift is available for you. The inexpressible gift the gift beyond every other gift, the one you didn't earn, the one you didn't deserve, and yet the one that God freely offers to you. And all you have to do is believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be saved. By grace are you saved through faith, not of yourself. It's a gift, God's inexpressible gift. It's a gift of God. If you've never trusted Christ, I'm gonna challenge you to put your faith in Jesus Christ today because of his inexpressible gift for you. What are the results of that gift? Peace with God, personal relationship with God, the deepest needs in our life, regardless of what you are going through today, no matter how much turmoil there is going along, about how far you think you've fallen, about God's inexpressible gift meets the deepest needs in our life and then eternal life because of his inexpressible gift. Well, so what? A generous spirit leads to multiplied opportunities. We need to be people who are giving. We need to be people who are faithful. We need to give prayerfully, and we need to give generously, and each one must make a decision and purpose in his own heart and then a decision is to be made he has decided an attitude needs to be embraced i will give and i will cheerfully give and i will love to give and a motivation is to remember be remembered cuz guess what people god loves a cheerful giver let's pray father uh, this is your word and we thank you for it We thank you for the challenge of it. And I pray, God, that as we uh, consider it today, we would not walk away easily from these things. We would see the benefits, the blessings that are poured out. We'd see the things you've given to us. They're they're all a tool to be used. They're, They're all a test of our faithfulness. And it's all telling of who we belong to. But, Lord, would we understand that we shouldn't be doing this because we feel forced to but rather we do it out of the abundance of the inexpressible gift that you've given to us in Jesus Christ. Would that be our motivation? Would that be our heart? When we consider all you have given to us, we be hilarious givers for the glory of our Savior, Jesus Christ. We pray these things in his name. Amen.